This is the Iowa State Athletics Sidecast. This Sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Visit any Van Wall location today to test drive the full lineup of John Deere compact utility tractors with the power and versatility to conquer anything this season. I'm John Walters. Today's Sidecast is a visit with our Cyclone Radio Network analyst, Ryan Harklaw and Eric Kapp. We'll examine how Iowa State tries to keep the positive momentum of a two-game winning streak coming out of the bye week. Plus, what are some of the challenges that Baylor provides? We hope you'll enjoy this visit with Ryan Harklaw and Eric Kapp. Well, guys, coming off the bye week, obviously Iowa State really tried to keep the routine uh, the same. Mark, how hard is it when you have a bye week in the middle of your season when you're kind of on a roll to get back to playing that same way? Well, it's it's really good because it leads it's an exciting two weeks of practice, obviously. And and it's also one of those things like you feel like you're on a roll and you don't want to quit playing either. You know, I, I when we left Cincinnati, I'm like, man, I want to play next Saturday. You know, it's fun. The team's having fun. But that also leads to two good weeks of practice. And you think if you walk into that week and you have a loss. You know, you're trying to find yourself and teams come out of that motivated. You saw that early on in the Cincinnati game. But at the same time, they just don't have the, the momentum going right now, as you can see from that program. And with what we had going walking into that break, I'm excited to see what they look like coming out of there. And the good thing is we weren't looking to heal people up. You know, the, the bumps and bruises are out there without a doubt, but there were no major injuries. And so as these guys come back out of this, out of this break, you know, I'm looking for a healthy team. I'm really excited to see them play Saturday. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him play, too. And, you know, in some respects, you're right, Hark, that you're on a roll. You want to keep going at this point in time. On the other hand, you hate to go into a bye week off a loss or a poor performance. So they have some momentum in there. And I think really depends a lot on the leadership of the coaches and, and the team itself during the bye week to make sure you're staying on track. And the other thing, too, is teams typically, I mean, they do it constantly throughout the season. They kind of scout themselves and kind of see, OK, what are our tendencies? How can we deviate from that while still t- sticking to the plan? So a lot of work, I think, by the coaches. Certainly recruiting's big during that bye week, too. But uh, for the most part, I think it's just let's fine-tune what we're doing, maybe tweak a couple things that we need to get a little bit better at. Well, I thought, guys, that, well, first of all, it's very strange to both be playing coming off a win at Cincinnati. You don't see a, a, a situation <laughs> very often where both teams are coming off the same type of victory in the same place. So that's a little unusual in its own right, but they both did win there. As I watch Baylor, I just feel like, Hey, Iowa state has a real chance to win this game up front. And I think if they can win that rush battle, I think they're going to have a heck of a chance to win this football game. Yeah. I think that's always going to be a key. And and Iowa state's, you know, run game has certainly improved over the course of the season in part because I think improved play by the tight ends and the offensive line. Baylor, on the other hand, a team that's always wanted to run the football, they've kind of abandoned it a little bit, at least from that from the running back perspective. You know, but they've had success running the football under Dave Aranda against Iowa State. Jeff Grimes, their OC, wants to run the football. I think the big thing for Iowa State in this game, you worry about Shapin because he's such a tough, gritty competitor, but you have to stop the run first. And if you can stop the run, I think that really sets up, get them behind the chains, if you will, let Iowa State's back end maybe have some success. And they've they've given up a ton of sacks this year too. So you get them in those passing situations, and that's when Iowa State's been able to get pressure and make a lot of great things happen. They have, and if you look at this Baylor team to start the season, they were picked as one of the top three or four teams. You know, you didn't know where they were going to finish. It's kind of like Texas Tech. They were up there too, and 
as this season's played out, they just they haven't been able to get that momentum or get that forward progress, if you will. And you're right, I think up front is where they've they've really struggled, which is it's hard to say because under Aranda, they've been really tough up front. You know, physically they look physical. When you watch them play, you were a little envious like of how they played up front. And I would say that that's how we're playing up front right now. I think we are becoming more physical. And you look at what we played like at Cincinnati. I was extremely happy with how the offensive line and, and tight ends played up front. And, you know, that is going to be a really big key to Saturday is you're going to have to have physical Baylor. They're not going to change who they are. They have abandoned it a little bit because they needed to. But at the same time, they still are going to be a physical team. They're coached to be a physical team. And so coming out of this bye, you know, you're, you're going to jump into a game where it's going to be, maybe be one of the most physical games you play throughout the rest of the season. Today's sidecast is brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Van Wall Equipment and John Deere are proud to support Iowa's farmers in the field and Iowa State Athletics on the field. Eric mentioned the sacks. And one thing that we've noticed here a lot this season, even going all the way back to camp, Hark, we talked about seeing it when Iowa State would do this in camp, but now they're starting to do it more and more in games. And how are they getting those sacks? Well, a lot of times when they get teams in obvious passing situations, they will play just one linebacker. They'll have Zach Lovett out there, or they will have Caleb Bacon out there. And then they'll have seven defensive backs. And those two guys, Bacon and Lovett, have been the guys a lot of times that have been getting the pressure. Sometimes they'll sit back and then race in there. Sometimes they'll just come straight off the line. But it's been very, very effective. And, you know, we talked to Matt Campbell about it yesterday, Eric and I did, and he said that, you know, with the guys on the back end, we knew we had a good secondary and that that's our strength. And we're trying to play to putting our best players on the field. And you look at that, it's it's really been an effective strategy. It has. And if you look at early in the season, the defensive line wasn't pass rushing like they needed to individually. You know, we weren't transitioning to run to pass like they needed to. And and we needed more from that those front three. And I know it's a difficult task. It's just three on five. But I think the last two to three weeks, that defensive line's taken a huge step forward on the pass rush. You know, you're seeing like Kenna Iziagu, he's, he's starting to come around. Like he's made some plays and like starting to get some pressure on by himself. And you're getting a little bit more pressure up front with a few of those guys. J.R. Singleton's doing a lot better job in the middle of that defense. And they also switch starters around, which that doesn't mean anything on that defensive line. But put Dominic Orange with the second group, if you will. And it's it's allowed them to bring two units up front that have, I think have made a big impact. So, you know, you came out of that Ohio game and there's been so many adjustments. And the ones that, you know, I, I think have been one of the best ones for the defense is what they've done with that defensive line. And then also, like you just said, the linebackers, they're containing the quarterback better. You know, the last couple of weeks going into that bye, I was really concerned about containing the quarterback because of the ability for them to run. Shaven can still run. He's, he is capable, but not like what we just saw in Cincinnati. And so, you know, I think that they have come a long ways because of the adjustments they made coming out of Ohio, not only on offense, but on defense. They did a lot of good things, I think, as well that's, that's helped that defense get a lot better, too. Yeah, and I think one of the other things, too, you mentioned the D-line is getting better, you know, and we basically have six starters there. I mean, because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, two separate groups, and they play about the same amount, and they've all taken strides. But I think the biggest difference for Iowa State in the last few weeks has been the linebacker play has gotten a lot better. I think they've really kind of figured out who they are, more comfortable with the system. I think they're they're reacting so much better now as opposed to maybe thinking about it earlier. And now it's more instinctive, and they seem to be in the right place more times than not and really making them 
a lot more plays than they were early in the year. That goes to Sadowski. We mentioned Lovett in, in those third down situations or pass situations and Caleb Bacon. But, you know, having Gary Vaughn get healthier and healthier, he's been a steadying influence there. But I really think McLaughlin has really taken a step forward, too. And that's really big. He's a big guy. He's a rangy guy. And I think his instincts are really coming to the forefront right now. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest reasons why the quarterbacks in general have had more trouble. We've we've have not let the, the quarterback run game hurt us like it did early in the year. And Eric, hand in hand with that, the running back run game, which hurt us against TCU. Amani Bailey had a big game. But you think about that Cincinnati game, and you mentioned it during right. the broadcast, that their running backs were not effective at all. Now, as you get ready to play Baylor, they didn't even attempt a running back rush until seven minutes to go in the second quarter. The only runs until that time were by Blake Shapin. So, as you mentioned earlier, they really abandoned the run. Now, keep in mind, they won the Cincinnati game, okay? And and it it worked what they did, but they came out gunning it and Shapin threw, I think, 42 times. And they really didn't run the running back. But Iowa State's done a pretty good job lately of figuring out how to slow running backs down you're still dealing with the quarterback run a little bit, but I think they're doing a better job there too. Well, the other thing too with Baylor is they're going to try to get the ball in Monterey Baldwin's hands. I mean, he's a he's a dynamic playmaker. They're going to run him across the formation. They're going to hand the ball to him a few times. They're going to try to make you defend, you know, the width and the length of the field, the whole field. And I think one of the big things in stopping their run game too is they'll try reverses off that. But you just got to be really careful because they will give you a lot of looks, uh, motion one way and come back, run the other way. I really think if you stop quarterback, the quarterback runs, although for, for Baylor, for the most part, those runs you know, are, are out of necessity rather than designed runs, and he, he's okay at that. But I think Baldwin is a guy, if you can take away their wide stuff with that, I think that's a big part of what they want to do in the run game right now to get their playmakers in space as best they can. And we yeah, match up really well there, Eric. You know, like if you look at yeah. what Tampa's going to do, I think it'd be a big game for TJ Tampa. And obviously the one that's, I think, made a huge difference on this defense as well, that, that when he's out, we're different, is Blake Verdon. You know, yeah. Malik has turned into such a big-time player in the back end of that defense. And when you see him out of the game, it's still a great defense, but you can tell the difference when he's playing and not playing in that football game. And he's going to be a big part of what's going to happen on Saturday too. When it comes to quality, comfort, and exceptional style, insist on the Authentic Brand label. Embrace authenticity in your wardrobe with Authentic Brand collegiate and corporate branded attire, the favored choice nationwide. And you, all of a sudden, here we are halfway through the year, and you look up, and Iowa State is first in the Big 12 in total defense and first in the Big 12 in pass defense. And <laughs> and I think uh, a critical thing, Eric mentioned Baldwin, and, and I think Cameron has a little bit of elusiveness to him too, and Keytron Jackson is a big play guy. So, man, I feel like tackling is, is really important. Iowa State has to be really sound tacklers in this game because you've got some guys there that can take a short gain and turn it into something really big. And so – Hopefully we see the really sound tackling from Iowa State. Let's move over to the offensive side of the football, guys. And Eric brought it up in the broadcast against Cincinnati, but they, they had a great nose guard and Dante Corleone. And the job that Jim Boniface and Brendan Black and Jared Hufford did to kind of neutralize him, that interior of that Iowa State offensive line really did some good things. What did you think, Hark? I loved it. I thought they played great over there. They're moving the line of scrimmage, which is really good to see. You're not always going to pop a 20, 30-yard run. It doesn't always have to happen that way. But what they were able to do uh, up front is move the line of scrimmage, which is is really been good to see. And Brennan Black, I think, has been the key to that whole thing, which is 
really crazy to see a freshman set the tone for an entire offensive line. And I think one player has changed the attitude of that line. And, and I think they're all playing better, you know, and again, we talked about shuffling things around. They shuffled the offensive line around as well. And I thought that was a brilliant move too. And uh, at one time you had Hufford and Tyler Miller on the same side of the field and Neil and Brennan Black, two new players on the other side of the field. And now you've got them next to each other. So you, you have, you move Hufford, next to Neil and it helps him out a little bit and on the communication piece. And you, and then you move uh, Brendan Black next to Tyler Miller, who has some playing experience. And I think that move was one of the bigger moves they made just with communication piece, that offensive line. So I, I think that that group coming out of Oklahoma, you know, was where you kind of saw the light bulbs really popping on from there until where we're at today. I'm really excited about what that group's doing right now. Yeah, no question. Black's made a difference, but I think every player in that offensive line, has taken stride forward. And I think maybe the most improved guy from the start of the season to right now is James Neal, the left tackle, because he's been really great in pass pro. I just think his ability as a run blocker has taken a big step forward too. He's still not great at it, but he's, he's really getting better. But once again, when everybody is getting better and the communication gets better, the confidence level rises, you're starting to see what this offensive line can become. I mean, Ryan Clanton's got his imprint on this group and it's really starting to show on football saturdays our john deere run of the game is brought to you by van wall equipment nothing runs like a deer especially when supported by the team at van wall equipment the cyclones john deere dealer of choice guys a, a couple games into the season we had kind of noted that this team really needed more from jalen Knoll. we thought that he was playing hard and trying to do all the right things but they need him to be a big playmaker. And man, have we seen that in the last four weeks or so. And what a difference it makes when he's out there. I think he's a great leader on this football team period because he's just such a genuine person. But man, when he's making plays, he's leading by example too. And that that's good stuff. They're getting a lot out of Jalen right now. Jalen is big time. You know, and when you look what he did on the, the special teams, he's a big leader on the special teams, you know, and what he was able to do at Cincinnati with, with, with a huge day, what he's doing offensively, you know, and some of the creative things that uh, Nate Shieldhouse has done with him offensively has been really good. Throughout this season, you know, you've seen two and three receivers become the primary guy. For a little bit, Dana Jackson was the guy, and a little bit you see Jalen Noll the guy, and now Jaden Higgins, wow, you know, that guy's becoming a guy. And that is a great thing as a as a as a coordinator to see from Nate. Nate's using them, you know, for their skill sets and finding ways to get them open and do different things with that group. And I, I continue to be very impressed with Nate. You know, I think that where we started the season and where we're at today, you know, I think he's done a great job with the talent he has on the field and how he finds their strengths and is able to, to utilize them. And again, Jalen is a big part of that. He's done a great job and. Uh, Nate watching him develop as a coordinator and, and make these calls right now has just been it's been fun to watch. He's he really is coming into his own and, and, and doing a really nice job. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I think he's done a terrific job. And you got to remember, it's his first year calling plays. You know, in the start of the year, people think, well, maybe uh, not that he didn't do a good job then because. Everybody's still trying to figure out all these young players, these pieces. How is it going to come together? You know, I know what we want to do, but we got to figure out. Okay, what are we best at? How can we, how can we move the football? And I think he, he's done a really, really good job. You mentioned those wide receivers, Jalen Knoll, you know, and Higgins, Daniel Jackson. Uh, but how about the tight ends? Got four different tight ends who've caught touchdown passes this year. I don't. There's nobody in the country can match that. 
And these guys are playmakers too. And I think once again, John and I were talking yesterday. It's like, well, who's our third wide receiver? Well, we got a bunch of guys there, but for the most part, we're playing 12 personnel anyway. We've got two tight ends, and the tight ends are so effective in the pass game and the run game that you, you mix those guys, you know, with, with Higgins and Noel. You've got you've got something to, to to really worry about if you're a defensive guy, how you're going to cover all those guys. Well, let's wrap it up with this, guys, because I think that what you said is so true about how far Nate Shielhouse has come as an offensive coordinator. He's also been a really good quarterbacks coach this year and his work with Rocco backed. And one of those tight ends we talked about the throw that Rocco made to Steve O'Klotz late in that game was unbelievable. And, and to see a redshirt freshman do it, rolling to his right, throwing it back against his body over a defender, right in Steve-O's hands. And Steve-O made a good play too, but Rocco has come so, so far. And, and you have to credit Nate Shieldhouse with that. Absolutely. You know, and you know, Rocco's numbers, I think, don't tell the story of how effective he's been. You know, some of those turnovers, you know, weren't that, uh, I guess, totally on his on him early in the season. You know, but right now he's got 12 touchdowns. He's got a touchdown pass in every game. And he's doing, he's managing the offense. You know, we're not going to be the team to score in 45 or, or 50 points, you know, but it's the efficiency of when you're able to do things. And I think that's where Rocco has really shined maybe the most because when you have to have a play, Rocco more times than not has, has been the guy to make the right decision. Sometimes it's throwing the ball away, you know, and, and punting the ball, but he he's managed the offense and he's grown as a playmaker as well. He really has. And he's a freshman, you know, we got to remind ourselves this kid's a freshman and he, he's playing like a junior or senior, like the decisions he's making a lot of the sacks and why we're, he's being, I mean, the offensive line's done a nice job to protect him, but a lot of the reasons we're not getting sacks as well. He's on time. He's not holding the ball. He's not trying to make something that's not there. He doesn't turn the ball over in crazy situations and it keeps you ahead of the game on the turnover uh, margin. And I think that his decision-making as a freshman has been outstanding. And Nate obviously is a big part of that, but you know, you know, Rocco has just, I think, been one of the best pleasant surprises we've had on this football team this early with a young football team. It is hard to win football games without a quarterback. It is. It's just the NFL knows <laughs> that they protect him like crazy because they know the value of him. You know, we aren't having the success that we're having, you know, recently in this season without a quarterback playing at that level. And I think he's made a big difference in this team and the in success of this team because of how fast he's been able to come along. That and his trajectory mm -hmm. is every game. He's gotten better at something, you know, and his overall game awareness has improved each week, man. And you can't ask for, for more than that. A guy that started at a pretty good level and, and gets better each week. Uh, I think it bodes well going forward. I agree. Well, let's see if Rocco can go 3-0 and in October and uh, and we can go into November with a 4-1 and record. Guys, head, heading down to Waco this week. We look forward to it and uh, we'll see you down there. Excited. See this team play one more time. Go Cyclones. Absolutely looking forward to it. Today's sidecast was brought to you by Van Wall Equipment. Stop by one of their locations and learn how to farm better, work smarter, and play harder when you run with Van Wall and John Deere. Thanks for listening.